Section 8 of Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, an American Slave, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. The Narrative of the Life and Adventures of Henry Bibb, an American Slave. Written by himself. Chapter 8. Character of my prison companions. Jailbreaking contemplated. Defeat of our plan. My wife and child removed. Disgraceful proposal to her and cruel punishment. Our departure in a coffle for New Orleans. Events of our journey. Most of the inmates of this prison I have described were white men who had been sentenced there by the law for depredations committed by them. There was in that prison gamblers, drunkards, thieves, robbers, adulterers, and even murderers. There were also, in the female department, harlots, pickpockets, and adulteresses. In such company, and under such influences, where there was constant swearing, lying, cheating, and stealing, it was almost impossible for a virtuous person to avoid pollution, or to maintain their virtue. No place or places in this country can be better calculated to inculcate vice of every kind than a southern workhouse or house of correction. After a profligate thief or a robber has learned all that they can out of the prison, they might go in one of those prisons and learn something more. They might properly be called robber colleges, and if slaveholders understood this, they would never let their slaves enter them. No man would give much for a slave who had been kept long in one of these prisons. I have often heard them telling each other how they robbed houses and persons on the highway by knocking them down and would rob them, pick their pockets, and leave them half dead. Others would tell of stealing horses, cattle, sheep, and slaves, and when they would be sometimes apprehended by the aid of their friends, they would break jail but they could most generally find enough to swear them clear of any kind of villainy. They seemed to take great delight in telling of their exploits in robbery. There was a regular combination of them who had determined to resist law, wherever they went, to carry out their purposes. In conversing with myself, they learned that I was notorious for running away, and professed sympathy for me. They thought that I might yet get to Canada and be free, and suggested a plan by which I might accomplish it, and one way was to learn to read and write, so that I might write myself a pass ticket to go just where I pleased, when I was taken out of the prison, and they taught me secretly all they could while in the prison. But there was another plan which they suggested to me to get away from slavery. That was to break out of the prison and leave my family. I consented to engage in this plot, but not to leave my family. By my conduct in the prison, after having been there several weeks, I had gained the confidence of the keeper and the turnkey. So much so that when I wanted water or anything of the kind, they would open my door and hand it in to me. One of the turnkeys was an old colored man who swept and cleaned up the cells, supplied the prisoners with water, etc., on Sundays in the afternoon, the watchmen of the prison were most generally off, and this old slave, whose name was Stephen, had the prisoners to attend to. 
the white prisoners formed a plot to break out on sunday in the afternoon by making me the agent to get the prison keys from old stephen i was to prepare a stone that would weigh about one pound tie it up in a rag and keep it in my pocket to strike poor old stephen with when he should open my cell door but this i would not consent to do without he should undertake to betray me i gave old stephen one shilling to buy me a watermelon which he was to bring to me in the afternoon all the prisoners were to be ready to strike just as soon as i opened their doors when stephen opened my door to hand me the melon i was to grasp him by the collar raise the stone over his head and say to him that if he made any alarm that i should knock him down with the stone but if he would be quiet he should not be hurt i was then to take all the keys from him and lock him up in the cell take a chisel and cut the chain from my own leg then unlock all the cells below and let out the other prisoners who were all to cut off their chains we were then to go and let out old stephen and make him go off with us we were to form a line and march to the front gate of the prison with a sledgehammer and break it open and if we should be discovered and there should be any outcry we were all to run and raise the alarm of fire so as to avoid detection but while we were all listening for stephen to open the door with the melon he came and reported that he could not get one and handed me back the money through the window all were disappointed and nothing done i looked upon it as being a fortunate thing for me for it was certainly a very dangerous experiment for a slave and they could never get me to consent to be the leader in that matter again a few days after another plot was concocted to break prison but it was betrayed by one of the party which resulted in the most cruel punishment to the prisoners concerned in it and i felt thankful that my name was not connected with it they were not only flogged but they were kept on bread and water alone for many days a few days after we were put in this prison garrison came and took my wife and child out i knew not for what purpose nor to what place but after the absence of several days i supposed that he had sold them but one morning the outside door was thrown open and melinda thrust in by the ruthless hand of garrison whose voice was pouring forth the most bitter oaths and abusive language that could be dealt out to a female while her heart-rending shrieks and sobbing was truly melting to the soul of a father and husband the language of melinda was oh my dear little child is gone what shall i do my child is gone this most distressing sound struck a sympathetic chord through all the prison among the prisoners i was not permitted to go to my wife and inquire what had become of little frances i never expected to see her again for i supposed that she was sold that night however i had a short interview with my much abused wife who told me the secret she said that garrison had taken her to a private house where he kept female slaves for the basest purposes it was a resort for slave-trading profligates and soul-drivers who were interested in the same business soon after she arrived at this place garrison gave her to understand what he brought her there for and made a most disgraceful assault on her virtue which she promptly repelled and for which garrison punished her with the lash threatening her that if she did not submit that he would sell her child the next day he made the same attempt which she resisted declaring that she would not submit to it and again he tied her up and flogged her until her garments were stained with blood 
he then sent our child off to another part of the city and said he meant to sell it and that she should never see it again he then drove melinda before him to the workhouse swearing by his maker that she should submit to him or die i have already described her entrance in the prison two days after this he came again and took melinda out of the prison it was several weeks before i saw her again and learned that he had not sold her or the child at the same time he was buying up other slaves to take to new orleans at the expiration of three months he was ready to start with us for the new orleans slave market but we never knew when we were to go until the hour had arrived for our departure one sabbath morning garrison entered the prison and commanded that our limbs should be made ready for the coffles they called us up to an anvil block and the heavy log chains which we had been wearing on our legs during three months were cut off i had been in the prison over three months but he had other slaves who had not been there so long the handcuffs were then put on to our wrists we were coupled together two and two the right hand of one to the left hand of another and a long chain to connect us together the other prisoners appeared to be sorry to see us start off in this way we marched off to the river ohio to take passage on board of the steamboat water witch but this was at a very low time of water in the fall of eighteen thirty nine the boat got aground and did not get off that night and garrison had to watch us all night to keep any from getting away he also had a very large savage dog which was trained up to catch runaway slaves we were more than six weeks getting to the city of new orleans in consequence of low water we were shifted on to several boats before we arrived at the mouth of the river ohio but we got but very little rest at night as all were chained together night and day it was impossible to sleep being annoyed by the bustle and crowd of the passengers on board by the terrible thought that we were destined to be sold in market as sheep or oxen and annoyed by the galling chains that cramped our wearied limbs on the tedious voyage but i had several opportunities to have run away from garrison before we got to the mouth of the ohio river while they were shifting us from one boat to another my hands were sometimes loosed until they got us all on board and i know that i should have broke away had it not been for the sake of my wife and child who was with me i could see no chance to get them off and i could not leave them in that condition and garrison was not so much afraid of my running away from him while he held on to my family for he knew from the great sacrifices which i had made to rescue them from slavery that my attachment was too strong to run off and leave them in his hands while there was the least hope of ever getting them away from me End of chapter 8. Recording by James K. White. Chula Vista.